Cast. Money's a tool, right? So it doesn't matter how much you have, it's still a tool. So, you know, the, if I'm going to dig a hole, a big hole, I'd rather have a backhoe than a shovel. You know, so the more money you have, the more good stuff you can do. With it. So just saying, like, to me, that's what money does. I mean, I spend some of my in my own self, but it allows me to do other stuff and have flexibility and it gets rid of stress and things that, you know, like a friend of mine said, if, if money can fix a problem, you don't have a problem. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to the latest episode where we dive deep into the blueprints of entrepreneurial success. Today, we uncover the transformative journey of a dentist-turned-mogul, David Pierce. From scaling a dental empire to mentoring others in the art of business, David's recipe for success is simple. Embrace the work, value lifelong learning, and take things step by step. Whether you're an entrepreneur or on the path to self-improvement, this episode holds the key. Let's dive in and uncover the secrets behind David's motto, Success is spelled W-O-R-K. Hey, David, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm great, Tyler. Thanks very much for having me on your show. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, thanks for being here. You know, I'd love to start with, tell me a little bit about what you do professionally, and then if you can also include a little bit about you personally. Yeah, sure. So, you know, elevator speech would be uh, professionally, I'm a dentist. Uh, I own several businesses, uh, moved from a couple, one state to another due to family issues. All good. All worked out. Sold my last uh, dental office in 2021. That was in New York State. My wife and I moved to our homes in Florida and Montana and in 22. And then later in 22, I started a dentist coaching business called Ultimate Success in Dentistry. Uh, earlier this year, I wrote a couple of books on business, entrepreneurial business, and uh, wealth management and wealth accumulation and so forth. So business-wise, that's kind of brings me up to speed. Me as a person, I'm a lifelong learner. So I enjoy learning. I enjoy the process of learning, not just the information, but the actual process on the one hand. And on the other extreme, I enjoy going to 10, 12, 14,000 feet with uh, five, six, seven days worth of supplies on my back and chase sheep and goats around at those elevations. Uh, and I do that in North America and Asia and all over the place. So it's a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot there to unpack. I do want to ask you about the lifelong learner part. And I know we'll talk about this in some areas, other areas that I have questions for you. But when you say you like learning, but you also enjoy the process, do you mean the actual application of the learning when you say that? Yeah, I think that one of the things that sometimes, you know, in order to be successful in anything, you have to work takes work and some, you know, no matter what anybody says, you know, success is spelled W-O-R-K. And so you have to embrace the work. So for me, in the learning process of it, I have learned to just embrace the learning, like putting it together, figuring this stuff out, as opposed to, ah, I just can't understand this thing. So, well, embrace the steps that go into getting to understanding that, whatever that thing is you're trying to figure out or learn or get better at. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about the sheeps. Where did the sheeps come into this? So you go up to really high levels and you're herding sheep, basically? Well, actually, I would say I was more hunting sheep, not really. Oh, sheep. oh hunting. <laughs> okay, hunting. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, these are these are wild animals that would rather, rather you know, like you're in their living room and they're like, goodbye. <laughs> Get okay. out of my living room. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Okay, but even if you don't, even if you don't see them, it's just great. I mean, it's just such an amazing place to be at that elevation. You might be places that no human has ever 
ever walked on before. It's just so cool. See, that's mind boggling. Like that to me, like that must just be awesome to look out at that. Yeah, it is. That's the word. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Take your breath away. Hey, so I want to talk about, let's start about, talk about your practices. Now you didn't become a business coach or qualified to be a business coach overnight for dentist offices. And you had a journey. What clicked for you in your journey of building your businesses? And in this case, your offices, what, what clicked that made it go, Oh, wow. This is now working. Things are in my favor. Is that just raw experience? Is, is there just something? What worked in that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, so practice dentistry for 38 years and probably the first, not probably first two and a half decades. If you look at the like the growth, the graph, it's like it's rising, but it's pretty flat. The trajectory is not impressive. But then somewhere around 2008, 2009, so 25 years or so into it, like the trajectory just went boom. It just rocket ship. And so what was happening in that, I mean, there was, it was all about me though. I mean, it's about me, my mindset, like, you know, so like, what is it supposed to look like? What does leadership look like? Uh, what does my accountability to myself, my team look like, you know, reading about that. I never had a coach. That's why I love coaching now because I think like, how cool would it be to have somebody who's done it and they're right there by your side and they got your back, you know, it just, but you know, so it's definitely all about leadership. And I mean, we talk more about that particular thing, but if I look back on it, there's no question that when I looked at it and said, like, like, this is a small business, small because less than 50 employees, but it's still a business, run it like a business and do all those business things and run it like that. That's made all the difference in the world. Yeah. And you went from, I don't remember the exact revenue, but I think it was like maybe 2 million, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million all the way. Was it, was your high 4 million? I was around 3 million. Yeah. 3 million. Okay. So, I mean, you essentially doubled in, in size, but I believe you stayed with the same number of employees. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and like, interesting, like, you know, for the first 25 years, it took about 10 years to get to half a million, it took about another 11 years to get to 1 million. And then when I figured it out, it took four years to go from 1 million to 2 million and another five years to go from 2 million to 3 million with the same size team throughout that entire process. So it was all about leadership, them becoming leaders systems and such but yeah yeah that you're correct yeah let's dig on into that because i think that's where there's just a lot of gold here you know one of the things as i was researching you was this concept of promoting lifelong learning to your actual team can you talk about that a little bit because it's a it's such a unique perspective you don't oftentimes see employers articulate like the whole lifelong like they're going to walk away and forever be better hopefully yeah sure so I, I might sum it up by one of our, when I was exiting my, my uh, the last business when I sold it a couple of years ago, 21, one of the employees said to a new employee who was coming in because somebody had a life situation, she had to leave, a new person came in shortly before I left. And so this current employee who'd been there for six, seven years said, well, if you're going to work here with Dr. Pierce, you just have to know that you are going to become a better version of yourself. That's awesome. And so I thought that's exactly the legacy that I had hoped to leave was it when you work here that you're going to become a better mother a better christian a better patriot a better whatever all those things and a better dental professional you know teammate so forth as well but to me that was sort of like the, the icing on the cake for that person that they could be a better mom a better spouse a better you know christian a better leader in the world wow how good is that for the world you know and it also benefited the business so to that point you know like how did i get those people i think that you know putting the business pieces in mind it was it was like, you know, noble purpose. So people look at it and say, this isn't about you or me. Like there's something way bigger that we're working for. And then an accountability chart or board, whatever you want to call it, that where in small businesses, like five or six people, I think those are really uncommon. 
It's just sort of like people, oh, this is sort of my job. And like, who does that? Not really sure. We just sort of, you know, which you would never fly in a larger corporation, but somehow in small businesses, that's that's the typical, but it's still a business. So you shouldn't have that. So if you have the upper level and then that accountability, and then from there, you know, to look at it and say, okay, good. So the, you asked about the learning thing. So we would, for instance, like monthly, we would have a four hour, just get together. The whole purpose was to learn. You know, I'd bring in information. We were reading books that had nothing to do about dentistry. They're all about really self-help type books, you know, as a man think of those kind of books, helping them look at it and say like, how can I overcome things in my own life that are getting in my way? And then therefore, how can I overcome things in the dental field that feel uncomfortable, but they're not dangerous. They just are uncomfortable. How do I push past that? And so out of that, we developed, you know, basically like a, you and I chatted, I think a while ago about, you know, a leader follower model, which is what I was taught. And I think that's often the case, like, like, what do you want me to do? Go do this almost model to a model where the employees would come to me and say, so here's an issue. Here's potential solutions I've come up with. And this is what I intend to do. And now it's me. That was the bottom rung acceptable for anybody on their leadership journey. And we very quickly got people there. So I want to talk a little bit more about that four-hour meeting. Yeah. So did your employees read the book in advance or were they asked to? And then they came into the meeting already aware of the topic. And then was it like you gave a presentation or what did that look like? It sounds so cool. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, you know, like a, almost like a meeting mastermind in a sense. You know, we all would, read, all would read the book or part of the book on a continuing basis, depending on how long it was. Some, you know, would read it, listen to it, audible, that kind of thing. And then we started every meeting out the same way, which is which was, what is your will? W-I-L. So W-I-L is what, what I learned. And so in the last 30 days, they had to say what I learned in their job that made them a better person in their job, in the specific, most important step in their job. Not like, you know, if you're the front desk person, well, I learned how to, you know, clean the shredder machine. Great. But how does that help patients if that's your job? Like, doesn't at all. I'm glad you learned that, but tell me something that makes you a better interactor with patients, for instance. So we started out that way. And then they also would go back after they went around the table, me, me as well. Then they would go back and say, how about over the last six months? Well, let's review all your, all your, what you learned. How are you putting those into effect? Give an example of what I learned six months ago and what I'm doing now, five months ago, four months ago, three months ago. So that was truly to me learning, not just, you know, I, I did it and then I forgot it. So that's, so we went around the table with the book the same way. Everything we did was kind of just like around the table. For most of the years, I facilitated it. In the last two years or so, three years of my career, another woman stepped into a position for us. She was very good at that. She didn't know it, but I said, you'd be awesome at this. So we kind of transitioned to her to facilitate that meeting. So I was just sitting back and just one of the, one of the crew, which was perfect. That's even better, for sure. She was way better at it than I was. That's very cool. Yeah. Now, did you ever have anyone that came into your office and they didn't want to go along with the program or it didn't fit for them just because it just wasn't their thing? Did you ever have to deal with that? You know, I think that we did a fairly good job on the incoming to to figure that out, that like it just isn't a good fit. But what did happen a couple of times was the business outgrew some people. Like they just looked at it and said, you know, like, I don't want to embrace the, what it takes for me to become a better version of me. I just want to do it. And then they would, you know, they would start feeling uncomfortable about that. Like, you know, how how the reading go? And you could tell like they didn't read it or they didn't know about it or the work. And so eventually they're like, this just doesn't fit me anymore. It did, but it doesn't, I'm going to, Try to find another job that fits me better and we'll find somebody else that fits us. And that was usually very amiable. It wasn't ever really high tension. I mean, it was upsetting because they wanted to stay, but didn't want to stay all that stuff. But yeah. It sounds like as a leader, you did a good job too when, you know, 
people weren't aligned or individuals weren't aligned with where they want to be at and where the organization at. It sounds like you were able to diffuse it into a way where it was just like, hey, you know, it's a parting ways. It's a sad event, but it's a parting ways yeah. instead of an emotional friction type situation. Yeah, sure. And you know, honestly, uh, Tyler, you know, I know one, it's only one, but one person, like three years later, I saw her in a, some kind of a store and, uh, you know, and I saw her first and I just thought, hmm, what's this going to be like? So anyway, you know, eyes met and it's like, hey, Vicky, you know, how you doing? And uh, she said, Dr. Pierce, I'm doing so well. So good for you. And so she said, you know, I didn't, I didn't, it was upsetting to leave your business, but it was the best thing that I ever did because I'm in another job. I really fit in. It's perfect. I'm doing great. And it's awesome, which is, you know, exactly kind of what you'd expect though. They'll find a place that really fits them. So, yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a win-win. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know what I loved? And the reason I wanted to have the conversation with you in this interview is I just love how a five person company, a lot of times people think, well, to your point earlier, like we're just going to kind of do things. I don't, I guess I'm going to say haphazard. We'll just kind of, you know, you do that and you do that and you do this. And it's just kind of very fluid. It's not documented. And there's really kind of no goal in mind or how we all, how all the pieces fit together. I think it's cool at your size of entity to have that type of mentality that you've applied because, I mean, one of the benefits of that you, mentioned in, when I was researching you is I think it was something like, was it like three months of time? It was like a crazy amount of time off that you guys where you didn't see patients. How many days was it again? Yeah, we, we saw patients four days a week and then we took off 12 to 14 weeks a year where we saw no patients. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so that's like over three months actually yeah. that you guys were. So, I mean, here you're highly efficient office. You're making great money. You were small, you were learning and you were taking a tons of time off. Like, Tell me utopia. <laughs> like, that, I mean, that's like the perfect situation. Like, yeah. so really cool to you guys. So I want to switch gears. I know you're part of a mastermind. I think it's 15 to 18 dentists, somewhere in there. Yeah. I want to just talk about that a little bit. Where does, where do you think masterminds fit for business owners in general? Yeah. Are they the right choice for everybody or just certain situations? Oh, definitely the right choice if you want to get better. Okay. I think if you, I say this cautiously, if you just want to spread your ego around and so forth, you know, then probably isn't it may not be as helpful. I mean, it wouldn't be helpful for you. It might be helpful for the people in the group if you have just incredible knowledge and you just, you know, then get past your ego and get all that information of that may be good. But you know, so ours is with just dentists, which works very well because people maybe can come up with very specific dentist issues. But you and I know that businesses are all basically the same. You know, what happens in my is no different than any, any other business. I mean, for sure, as you scale it from, you know, five, six employees to 50 or 60 or 1,060, things change, but a lot of the business basics are still going to be the same. You know? You're not supposed to say that, by the way. People get mad. <laughs> I know. They like to think they're very unique. I shouldn't say that, but they like to think they're unique. But Well, their product is unique. Yeah, yeah their product and right. service is very unique. They're very niche. Yeah, but at the same point in time, you know, anyway. Uh, anyway. We can talk about that. Whoever I just offended, you're going to get all my information. Please reach out to me. I love to chat with you. <laughs> but I think that I put together a very a smaller mastermind on my own back when I was in Syracuse. And the, you know, the, the requirement at that point in time was you had a million in uh, revenue. You own the business, you had a million in revenue, but you couldn't be a dentist. Like I was already a dentist. Like, I don't need to talk to other dentists. I talk to them all the time in the course I go to. That'd be something else. And so we had maybe four or five of us. And we got together about every two months. Attorney, educator, veterinarian. And a pastor, actually, you know, he, so his, you know, church revenue was 
over my, not his personally. And um, it was awesome. It was great. You know, it's actually better because they could look at it like, I can't give you any dentist specific things, but you got an issue how to talk to somebody in your office or how to do this or how to do that. Like, yeah, it was all like, oh, it was amazing how somebody would say something like, oh yeah, I had that two weeks ago. Totally different industry, but same basic problem. Yeah, so I think mastery would be awesome. That's cool. How do you find one? I mean, like, what is there any? That's a great question. What would you look for? Like, is there, yeah, just share that. I'm not sure I can even tell you where you'd go look. I mean, you know, like, you know, so so the mastermind I started in Syracuse was was uh, 25 years ago. And so that was, you know, not pre internet, but basically pre internet. So you couldn't do Google search for blah, blah, blah. It was more just reaching out to people that I've known. And do you, are you interested in know, Do you know anybody that might be? Uh, well, I got another buddy. He's kind of business go-go oriented. You might talk to him, that kind of thing. As far as today, I, you know, I mean, I can't imagine that like a, a Google or an AI wouldn't be able to come up with something for you. Right. Well, you know, maybe I, I apologize. I didn't yeah. probably ask that question very well. What are the things that you would look for? Let's say, okay, I'm interested in a mastermind. Yeah. What am I like, what, what are the criteria? Like, is it the people that are in it? What are the questions you should be asking to go, this might be a home for me or no, yeah. no, this isn't a home for me. Sure. Oh, great question. Yes, sir. I understand. Well, to me, to me, I think that it should be, how would you say? So there has to be a good exchange of information. You have to feel like you're getting challenged. You have to feel like you're, you're providing value. I mean, I think if you went in and it felt like it was a, a therapy session to make you feel better about yourself, it's like you're in the wrong place because you need people that are going to challenge you and say, I think what you're doing isn't the best, you know, consider doing this because whatever this may work, so forth and so on. Um, I mean, that's to me, the whole idea is to get on other minds who think differently than you do and get their ideas and their thoughts and their processes to challenge the way you're doing. It. I'm not going to come up with all the answers myself. So, yeah. So I think that I think it should feel a little uncomfortable when you're in those meetings. If it doesn't, then you're, it probably isn't helping you as much as it should, if that's your intention is to get better. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. That's great stuff. I found like for me, when in the past, when I've been part of masterminds, really finding that right mix of people. Because Mm -hmm. if you have people that are at different levels in their career, like maybe you have someone that's just starting out in business, and then you have someone that's in, you know, a nine-figure business owner, and then you have people in the middle. Sometimes those types of discussions are just not really necessarily relevant. That's true to wherever you're at. So I found sometimes for me, those are things like when I'm considering a mastermind, where's the level of the person that's in the other members of the group and do they kind of match where I'm at? Right. Because I think that helps. Now, there is something to be said for, you know, people are a little above you. It can help you stretch to think bigger. But I think there's also, if they're too far up, there are topics, if you're, for example, if you're talking about delegation and it's a $100 million company, right. probably not going to be one of the top issues for a hundred million dollar CEO, like it would be maybe for $5 million a year CEO revenue. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That's great feedback. Hey, I want to switch gears. So you have this ability to be able to take complex issues and distill them into small actionable steps. Talk about that a little bit, because I feel like business owners, sometimes we just hit a wall and that prevents us from getting to the next level. Is it in that small actual steps? Is there any words of wisdom you can give us here in terms of getting past that wall? Yeah, I think that's just the, I mean, the age old thing. You, know, you have to you have to crawl and then you have to, you know, whatever it is, you have to roll around and then crawl and then walk and then run. I mean, all those little things, you can't get to that big prize without getting to the steps. So, you know, as far as what are the small actionable steps, you know, look like, 
you know, in my mind, it would be, you know, a 10-year goal, three-year goal, one-year goal, 90-day goal, and then nine, so 90 days, you know, here's what we want to do. And then look at those 90 days and say, you know, so from week from now, this is what I have to do. So therefore, what do I need to do tomorrow so that a week from now I'll have it? And this kind of laid that thing out. And then one of the, you know, tips that I would say for people, uh, if I was going to say two, would be one of them would be, you know, every single night, you know, I'm, where for me, I'm doesn't even sticking note. I just write down three things that I'm going to do tomorrow that are on the most important thing to get me where I need to be at that one week or that 90-day mark. And they're not big. They're small things. They're ones that have to be done tomorrow, for sure. Before I, before they go to sleep, they have to be done. They're probably going to be done at the office during that time, not personal time when I leave the office. So very small things. They don't have to be big. They have to do them every single day. And whatever, whatever you think is the most important thing. I think that habit, once I started doing that, was just so huge. Because then, then two things happen. One is you're moving the ball forward every single day in a way that you predetermine is the best direction to go. And two, when it's, when it's so big, I think that I've certainly felt many times before I started being looking at that and breaking it down, is you kind of get, you said, hit a wall, which may be a neutral emotion, like this hit a wall. Or for me, many times it was like, I feel like I'm, like I'm useless, like I'm not doing anything. I just had this negative feeling about myself. I can't see any progress, no forward movement. Whereas this way, it's like, no, I'm, you know, I didn't throw a 60-yard pass, but I picked up a yard. I picked up a yard and a half. I picked up a little bit every single day, every single day. So I felt good about it. Like every single day, it's like, you got something done and you know it's the right stuff because you, you thought about it last night, what you're going to do. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. I didn't throw a 60-yard pass, but I picked up a yard. I picked up a yard and a half. I picked up a little bit every single day, every single day. So I felt good about it. Like every single day, it's like you got something done and you know it's the right stuff because you thought about it last night, what you're going to do. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. That's powerful. I like to write three small things down the night before that you want to tackle the next day. Yeah. Um, I think that's powerful. I think that's, I like the fact it kind of falls in line. It's funny how things change a little bit. Sometimes they stay the same and sometimes they change. But, you know, there some books I've read, you know, so oh, the night before, write down everything you're going to do and write mm-hmm. it out. And I, I like the three things because it's easy, it's fast, and then you just go tackle them and you feel good about yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 And just don't get them too big. Like you find, if you find you're not getting them done, done, it's just because you made them too big. Make them just, a, no, not quite as much. Pick something smaller. You can always get it done. Hey, I'm dying to talk with you about wealth accumulation. You know, you really bring this up a lot in your materials as I was researching about you. Define what wealth accumulation is and help us as business owners. How should we be thinking about that? And what should we be doing to build wealth and, and accumulate it so we're in a good position later in life? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so money is a tool, right? So, you know, it doesn't matter how much you have, it's still a tool. So, you know, the, if I'm going to dig a hole, a big hole, I'd rather have a backhoe than a shovel. You know, so more money I have, the more more good stuff you can do with it. So just saying, like to me, that's what money does. I mean, I spend some of my in my own self, but it allows me to do other stuff and have flexibility, and it gets rid of stress and things that you know. Like a friend of mine said, if if money can fix a problem, you don't have a problem. 
So it's true, right? You know, it's, it it's can't good. fix. You know, yeah. Like you know, I had a lot of pain in my back and neck and so forth. I didn't mention about that. And you know, a month ago, I had a surgeon you know, cut a hole in my neck and ground away bone around my spinal column, and all the pain is gone now, and I feel so much better. You know, so that takes some money and whatever to do that. But you know, if you can't, have, you don't have access to that. It's like quality of life can even suffer. So it's an awesome tool. So given that, I my feeling, so I'm a dentist, so I can't speak for. And I have dentistry has a liability associated with it, which is you don't have to be exceptional to stay in business. Uh, The number one, number two businesses that banks loan money to are dentists because they typically don't go out of business. Wow. And so you don't have to work at being great. Like you own a restaurant and you're sort of like, yeah, I'm just kind of like, it's going to close down. Like you're not going to make it. Sorry, buddy. You know, and many other businesses. So that's a liability with dentistry. But I noticed that many professionals, they somehow feel like they're entitled to this higher lifestyle long before they can afford it. And so I mean, to me, that's where the problem starts. I mean, that if you talk to many of people say, do you know how compounding interest and compounding debt works? And many maybe do, some of them don't, that's scary as heck, but some of them do. I said, so you understand like that, you know, expensive sports car you just made that you own it for four years at age 30, that's going to be the equivalent if you hadn't done that and just bought a used, whatever nice car to use of what you're going to sell your practice for 35 years from now, like the dollar amount is going to be the same. And the difference of those two would be worth seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars just for four years of owning a nice car at age 30. But that's just the math. This is the way it works. And they don't have any concept of that, I think. So, and again, you know, so this is professionals. I think some of society has this like, well, you're a doctor, you're an attorney, you're a CPA, you're expected to live in this lifestyle. Like you're expected to live over there, not here and all that garbage, you know? And you kind of get bought into it. So to me, first thing is just like, you know, make sure you live way below your means. Like the way you live in, in school, like you're dirt poor, well, don't, you know, raise a little bit, but don't go crazy. Just go, go, go steady. So you're always having money and always diffusing money. As far as investing, you know, I did well investing, but I would never try to coach someone on how to invest. You know, I, there's, there's, I'm just not an expert on it that way, but get money into your life. So from that standpoint, from the business, you know, write a check to yourself every single week, every single week. If, if it's ten dollars, fifty dollars, you know, a thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, twenty thousand, I don't care what it is. It's every single week. It goes right from the business checking account, right into your your whoever managing your funds for you, or if you manage it yourself, it goes into that, and then you deploy it however you want to. Like because to me, initially somebody told me that. Oh, Tyler got on a pilot like twenty years ago. Somebody told me that. It's like I don't have enough money in my account to do that. And so the person said, "You do. You just." aren't willing to do it yet. But it was amazing to me. Like once I started doing that, I looked at it and said, like, I'm gonna run out of money. Like I never ran out of money. It's just like, you know, I think that part is like you look at it and say, like, you know, we need you get more focused on on the business, you get more focused on creation in the business, more focused on opportunity. You don't have unhealthy pressure on yourself because you set it up, but just some pressure because you know there's this other bill now we have to pay, which is pay me to go into the investments. And to me that just totally revolutionized our life we were just able to take you know whatever amounts it was and it got very very significant amounts every just coming up going immediately getting invested you know and from an investing standpoint you know dollar cost averaging all that kind of stuff it's the best way to do it because it's constantly getting getting deployed in one way or the direction or another so first key would be like you know don't get crazy when you're young and i don't care what age you are just call yourself young if you're 55 you're fine you're young compared to a nine-year-old so you're you know don't go crazy Try to keep your lifestyle down so you can pull money out of your business and start deploying it right away and do it weekly. Don't do it like, ah, hey, once a month, once a quarter. No, every week, small amount, every week, every week, every week. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it brings me back to many years ago when I was a CPA, I had my own firm and I'd have clients that were doctors and I had one in particular, he still sticks with me to this day. He had just started his practice. He's getting money was flowing in like crazy. And he was doing a lot of, he got into this aesthetics procedures. They were all cash-based credit card or cat literal cash. And so he was just, you know, cash flowing crazy. Went and bought multi-million dollar home in Las Gatos, had the Porsche, probably a hundred, two hundred thousand dollar car. Every year he was trading them out. One I think he even did in six months because he didn't like it. And I love you the way you said, look at that car, look at the value of your practice. And you're basically trading the value of a practice 20 years from now, 30 years, whatever it is, to have the pleasure of that car. And when you give like a visual illustration of that, I'm sure some people still pick the car, but it's like hard to argue that. It's hard to argue that decision making. Like it's just not the right way to go. Because if you can think a little ahead 30 years from now, that's going to be nice to have. Really nice. Yeah. And it's not an opinion. It's just math. Right, right. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, we're not just making this up. It's run the numbers type yeah, it's thing. Just math. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you never really think about it, nor, nor would I want to, you know. But at the same point in time that if you look at it and said, well, what if you got the money part, which I'm all about, like get the money part done, you know, by the time you're 40. Like you could just sit on it, just keep working along. You're good. Because not everybody makes it working-wise, you know, 50, 55, 60, 65. Sometimes disability, something happens. Things happen, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, well, I had this trajectory of what was going to happen if it kept going. And then it stopped. And all of a sudden, it's like, ugh, you know, regret. Uh, I wish I had. I wish I had. It's like, ugh. That's a bad, that's a bad word. Yeah. It's a long four-letter word, regret. <laughs> yeah. I used to volunteer many years ago, uh, finance coaching. I'd have people come and try to help mm. them with their budget. Awesome. And I'll tell you the one that used to kill me is... People would come to me, they'd be late 50s, sometimes 60s, yeah. and they literally didn't have one penny in savings and very nominal earnings. And they'd be like, oh, how do I set up for retirement now? What do I do? And, it, you know, you could help them, but it's really late in your journey to have significant impact in such a short amount of time. And it's just, you know, to your point, it's like if you start a little bit earlier and you kind of give up a few things, it just it just accumulates. It's just math. It just keeps growing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was felt like, you know, like I remember somebody was talking about s- stopping smoking and he had his own program and he did quite well, actually. And so I said, so what's the key to your program? And so he said, nobody likes to s- stop smoking. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to stop anything. So I, de- I tell him don't start smoking because as soon as you put out that cigarette, you have to start smoking to light them, to start another. So it does not start smoking. So to me, that's actually on the wealth. It's like, yeah, don't cut back in your lifestyle. Just don't ever start on that high lifestyle journey. Just like you're, you're dirt poor, poor in school. So just bump it up a little bit. You know, you don't, you know, make a little bit better apartment. You don't have to buy the house now. A little bit better car. Maybe take a vacation for the first time. Well, just a little bit easy vacation now. And and then you're then you're not trying to say, well, like your buddy, like how does he cut back from a Porsche and a multi-million dollar home? Like it's, it's too painful. Can't do it. Right. He'd have to hit rock bottom almost. Right. Yeah. It's funny. It's all about perspective, right? Yeah. It's perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the start versus stopping smoking is what clicks in my head. Yeah, it's a silly thing. He made a great, he had a great business based on that. Like he just committed, but yeah, I never looked at that way. I'm not going to start. It's silly, but it's also genius. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's kind of like on both, both spectrums, really. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah. said, Tyler. Exactly. Well said. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hey, I love having you on the show. I always like to end with one question. Is there a, a business or a life tip, something you've learned along the way that you could 
summarize for us and maybe we could apply to our lives? Yeah, sure. I, I think there's a, there's a like a ton of maybe, but maybe I'll keep it on the same on the same uh, note as the the three to dos, which would be each evening take maybe fifteen or twenty minutes and just take all the stuff in your head. You know, I just thought like a mind dump. Take all the stuff in your head that you're thinking about and just write them down and just say like, so what's the next step? Whatever it is, like call this person or take care of that or do that. And whether any of those things on there become one of your one two threes doesn't really matter. But it just helps you look at it, you know, because I don't know about your audience and so forth, but I can't imagine I'm that different. Sometimes I'd lay in bed and I think, hmm, what do I got to do about that? How about that and that? So whereas this way, I just like it's, it was just like, okay, I'm going to make a call to so-and-so. I have no idea how it's going to work out, but I'm going to call so-and-so. Or I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to Google that and do a search. Or whatever. It doesn't have to be like, like, how do you know it's going to take you where you want to? I don't. But it's the next logical step. So I don't have to think about it at night. Like, what am I going to do? I need to write that down because I need to do something about it. So. So I don't know if that would help people just kind of, you know, come up with a three and or sleep better. But to me, that's just like, you just dump it off your mind. You don't have to think about it. And now I can go on about my, my evening with my wife and my kids or whatever that might look like. So I like that. I like that. You're going to help. You're going to help people hopefully get a little more sleep now yeah, every night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Restful sleep. There's nothing like it, right? I think we all can relate to that, though, have our minds still racing. And if you yeah. can kind of get that out of your mind and on a piece of paper, I think it gives you that that peace that in the morning you'll wake up and I can check my notes on my iPhone or on your notes, however you want to do it. Yeah. And just start fresh in the morning with where I'm at. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Hey, so I'll put this in the uh, thinktyler.com show notes. Your website is ultimatesuccess.dentist. Ultimatesuccess.dentist. If people wanted to reach out to you, is there anywhere else you'd like them to go or, or chat with you? Yeah, sure. That website is good. We also have another website, which sometimes is easier for people to remember as as a .com, which is 4m40.com. So 4m40.com. Any way you want to 4M. spell it or write, even put the numbers, the letter doesn't matter at all. And just to clarify, that's a number four, then the letter M is in Mary, yep. and then four zero. Yeah, four zero, or or spell out the 40 or spell out the first four, or any way you want to, it'll take it. And uh, that's a quicker, that's another link to the same website as the uh, ultimate success.dentist. But sometimes people, you know, it's it was the best website we could come up with with the business a year ago because what I wanted.com was taken. So therefore, you know, whatever, it's, it is what it is. Um, so there's that. And then uh, LinkedIn is certainly good. You know, you, you can get in touch with me, my home phone, my cell number is right on our website. So I'm really easy to get in touch with. Uh, LinkedIn is, you know, the usual LinkedIn and then David-R-Pierce, P-E-A-R-C-E-D-B-S. Very cool. Okay. I'll put those all in the show notes too. Well, hey, David, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. You shared some nice uh, nuggets of wisdom and I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you, Todd. It's been a blast. Yeah, yeah. Great. You have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. 
We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab, an Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid. Electric acid.